Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan again. Episode number 277, recorded November 11th, 2017. So we continue our voyage into what happened after that third year of Star Trek. Toss, yes. So this is uh, year four, the Enterprise Experiment, issues number one through three. Right. And this is different from the other IDW year four comics in that this one is a one-off with five issues that were also turned into a graphic novel and, of course, written by D.C. Fontana, which is great. Who wrote several of their TV shows and uh, animated shows. Exactly, and she was originally a script editor uh, on the Todd's production team. So, cool, cool, cool. Yep, so nice pedigree. Yes. Uh, If anybody knows what happened in that year four that we didn't quite get to see, she would. (laughs) How true, how true. And it's interesting what she's writing about, what particular area of Star Trek lore she is writing about. So, Yep. Now, the, these stories are good, and I like that they are not episodic like the last year four. Mm-hmm. But when we get into it, um, uh, they're, they're a little confusing at times. Yeah. So uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's there's a few scenes where I'm like, I, I don't even know what's going on anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just going right. to write, write it out, and hopefully they'll explain it to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she has some some big ideas here in the areas she's exploring, but sometimes some of the minutiae could be a little less muddy, right? Of of the of the narrative. But uh, but yeah, it's good stuff, and um, I'm I'm I didn't finish it off. I, I could have finished it off, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to stop at three because it ends on a big cliffhanger, and I didn't want to didn't want to know what really happened until yeah uh, we uh, we recorded this episode. Yeah, there's there's been a couple big reveals so far in this, but I think issue four is going to give us the biggest reveal so far. Right. But that's a next week episode. Exactly. That'll be for the future. Okay, so I'm doing the first one. Shall I just uh, begin? Do so. Okay. IDW, Star Trek, Taz, Year 4, The Enterprise Experiment, issue number one. And I've only got the graphic novel, so I am doing pages 6 through 27, uh, which corresponds with issue one of the individual books. So this one was published, I believe, April 2008. I think I have that right. That's right. Thank you. Writer DC Fontana and Derek Chester. So Derek's in there too, not just DC. Gordon Purcell does the art. Inkers, Terry Pallet. And, and by the way, some of these other things I've got, I think they're the, the people that were involved in all the issues. The whole th- that, all the issues. So I'm not sure which is which. So I'm just going to say what they all are. Terry Pallet is the first inker. Gordon Purcell did inking. Drew Garassi, Jose... Marzan Jr., Tom Nguyen, Bob Smith, and Bob Almond. 
So those are probably people that were involved in multiple issues, but I don't know the difference, so I, there they all are. Colors, Mario Boone, John Hunt, and Jason Jensen. Letterers, Chris Maury, Robbie Robbins, and Neil Yataki. Original series editors, Andrew Stephen Harris and Scott Dunbuyer. Collection design, Robbie Robbins. And the collection editor is Justin Isinger. Okay, we have three covers. Cover A features Kirk holding a phaser with his left hand, and the phaser is sitting up against his right shoulder, kind of like James Bond style. And uh, RX is at Kirk's back, and he's operating a communicator. The Enterprise is in the upper right-hand corner. A starburst text oval proclaims this is DC Fontana's first comics work. And the cover uh, is by Joe and Rob Sharp. Cover B features Spock with uh, great posture, giving the Vulcan salute with his left hand while holding his right hand behind his back. Behind him is a yellow Starfleet swoosh. And again, it's the same starburst oval proclaiming that this is DC's first comics work. This cover is, again, by Joe and Rob Sharp. And the third, cover C, features a photo of Kirk disguised as a Romulan from the classic Taws episode, The Enterprise Incident. Again, we have the same starburst talking about DC's first comics work. A shadowy figure at Starfleet HQ in San Francisco is quoting Nishi. He's in a blue tunic. He is speaking of the balance of power shifting. We can't see his face, but he is looking at pictures of the newly acquired Romulan cloaking device and another of the Guardian of Forever. Nishi quotes seem to say, when fighting your enemy, watch out that you do not become your enemy. A lesson Luke learned in a tree a long time ago. Also, that people that give you their trust assume that you will not betray it but they are mistaken as no rights are conferred in a one-way transaction such as that. Scene shifts to the Galileo 7 shuttlecraft, flying through space and containing Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock. They have been in space, away from the Enterprise, for over ten hours. They are attempting to detect the flagship of the Federation. They have thus far been unsuccessful. Kirk sends out a hail to the Enterprise, ordering Scotty to drop shields and prepare to take them aboard. Time passes with no reply. They assume something went wrong with the new prototype cloaking device that Starfleet Intelligence gave Kirk to test. Somehow it has made Scotty and the rest unable to respond. Since the small shuttle is only equipped for a 12-hour flight, their continued existence depends on getting back on board the Enterprise. They are able to get back into the ship by figuring out where Scotty likely took the ship to optimize his chances of staying undetected. Spock, figuring he could remote control the shuttle bay doors, does so. As they enter the now-open doors into the shuttle bay, Spock says the exterior hull of the ship lacks molecular cohesion, while the interior appears unaffected. They don spacesuits, 
since the shuttle bay doors won't close. When they get further into the ship, life support works fine, so they dump the spacesuits and head to engineering. On the way, they see none of the crew. They travel through an eerily silent ship. At engineering, Spock takes readings of the cloaking device, which is semi-transparent. Spock announces whatever technology Starfleet Intelligence used in its construction, it has put the ship partially out of phase with normal space. Spock attempts to cut power to the device, but the attempts sets off a small explosion in the control panel that knocks Spock to the ground. Spock, with minor injuries, gets back up with Kirk's aid. Spock states he senses the presence of Rx. Kirk sees nothing. Spock can now see and even talk to Rx due to the phased pulse Spock experienced and Rx's telepathic abilities. Through a mind meld, Spock is able to give Kirk the ability to see and talk to Rx also. How handy. Rx tells them what happened during the test, how Commander Scott suspected the cloak was adversely affecting the ship and crew, but all too late. They notice Sulu's right hand starting to phase out. Scotty and Rx left the bridge and went to engineering to shut down the cloaking device. Scotty discovers his initial attempts at shutting down the cloak all fail. It won't let itself be shut down. In his examination of Sulu, Dr. McCoy discovers the phasing effect they are experiencing is very similar to the phase shift they experienced about a year ago when the Enterprise was almost snared in that damned Tholian web. Between Rx and McCoy, they explained what they think the cloaking field is penetrating the Enterprise and will eventually phase them all out of normal space like Sulu. McCoy begins to say when this happened to Jim, they used to use... Scotty finishes the good doctor's sentence. The transporter! With a smile on his face, Scotty understands what the doctor is suggesting and heads out of sickbay with plans formulating. He tells the doctor he owes him some fine scotch if they ever get out of this. McCoy says, make it a mint julep. Before Rx and Scotty can finish the transporter modifications, they begin to phase out. Scotty gives the order to launch a disaster beacon that he hopes will dephase when it gets far enough away from the ship. With Rx's recounting of events complete, they realize Kirk and Spock must get to the transporter room to complete what Scotty started. Rx had completed his work, so Spock begins to surmise what he must do with Rx's help. Meanwhile, Kirk goes to fetch their spacesuits in hopes that it will provide some protection against the radiation causing the phasing and slow down the process. Spock reports being close to completion, but a proximity alert sounds. Kirk goes to the bridge to check it out. They may need to move the ship. Rx gets to the transporter pad to play guinea pig. Spock reports to the bridge they are ready to attempt to reconstitute Rx. Kirk reports he cannot get a visual on the object, but it's 14,000 kilometers off the port side. With no manual helm controls, the fail-safes will kick in and move the ship automatically. Spock reports that moving the ship may not be in their best interest. Kirk overrides the fail-safes and restores manual helm control. He also restores sensors and comms. 
the newly reactivated forward view screen shows a Romulan bird of prey. Kirk tells Spock, they've run out of time. The view of the adversarial ship is replaced by a view of their bridge and its captain. It turns out that it's the same female Romulan commander that Spock and Kirk obtained the original cloaking device from. What a small galaxy it is. To be continued. So that episode was called the Enterprise Incident, right? Yes, it was. And this episode, this this is called the Enterprise Experiment. Indeed, it is. I think it's a continuation. I think so. <laughs> I, I think she's definitely continuing the story. I, you know, I bet when she wrote the the episode, uh, she probably had lots of I- ideas about how it would continue, and apparently. She put some of it into this uh, set of uh, issues. Right. So, uh, yeah, I don't think she has a name, The uh, that Romulan commander. I was looking specifically for it in these first three issues, and I don't think I ever saw it. Right. I don't, I don't think, think. I don't think she has a name in the, in the, in the episode either. Right. According to Memory Beta, which I just looked up, okay. uh, they have her name as Livania Karvenik. Or maybe that's the actress. Oh. Um, nope, that's supposedly her name. Okay. But I don't know where they're getting that from. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know either. Um, that sounds like more of an Eastern European name than a Romulan name, but whatever. Well, in the old show, did any of the Romulans have names? Uh, I thought they did. Hmm. No. Could, oh, maybe. Hmm, I don't know. I guess I would have to go and look. I think they did, although, you know, Core comes to mind so easily. A lot of Klingon commanders come to mind so easily. Other than Next Gen, Next Gen we know names. Right. Um, well, okay, yeah. Well, we don't, we don't know the name of the original one that Mark Leonard played, right? Nope. So, they, yeah, you're right. They never mentioned that. Um, maybe you're right. What an interesting realization, if that's the case. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, according to this, it seems like uh, her name is several different things in different uh, different medium mediums. So, hmm. uh, I- I'm just going to call her the commander in, in my synopsis. But yeah. uh, uh, Well, I, I, but, do n- I do not remember the name being mentioned in the first three issues. Yeah, I don't, it, it never is. <clears throat> and I went looking for it. So, yeah, so according to, uh, you know, I don't know where this... Uh, Navinia thing came from, but uh, it seems like in in the video game and the uh, in several different novels and other comic books, she has different names. So hmm. I'm just calling her Commander. There you go. So she and Spock, I mean, he was kind of like uh, they had a thing, right? Or at least he was leading her on. Or am I misremembering? No, definitely. Yeah, yeah she okay. was quite smitten with Spock, and he was just toying with her emotions while they stole the thing. Um, so it seems, but he might've felt something too, but of course he is Spock. So first duty is to his mission. Right. So anyways, I was happy to see her. I I was glad to see that this is going to tie in with that. Well, I mean, with the whole, with the whole cloaking device, you know, you you realize that this was going to be some sort of tie into that episode. I just didn't realize she was going to be in it as well. Yeah. And another thing I was kind of not expecting is... An old-fashioned Romulan bird of prey. By the time the Enterprise incident was filmed in the third season, they used uh, Klingon D7s. 
right. the Romulans. Very handy, whatever the production reason was. So I was expecting to see more D7s being used by the, the Romulans. But no, they are in a cloaked Romulan bird of prey. Yep. Which, kind of, which kind of makes sense because they're in Federation space, so you'd want to be cloaked. But uh, I thought that that was an experimental ship. I didn't think they had a whole bunch of them lying around. Well, I mean, they stole. I mean, where did they? What did they steal one off of a D seven? In the Enterprise incident. Yeah. I thought they were, okay. Oh, it was off a of D seven, because they weren't using. I mean, they. Right. I what, what did they? They broke the model. I don't know. There were a lot of different stories about why, why they made that switcheroo there because it didn't really make that much sense. No. And since then, comics have attempted to uh, explain it, but I think there was a very practical reason. Uh, they had no money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, they and, kept and on it was getting the third reduced. season, and they figured nobody was watching anyways. So. Ah, yeah, yeah, they barely got their third season, so they didn't have a lot of money to spend, including right. uh, replacing a broken model. So, or whatever, whatever happened. Right. So, anyways, back to the story. I liked the the mystery part at the beginning with uh, the, the the man in black and the shadow. Mm-hmm. Sets up. You know, something else is going on. Yes. Oh, I, I love the beginning. And spoiler alert, at least in the first three issues, they don't go back to that person, that shadowy person. No, but by the end, you f- think that you might know at least uh, where this guy works. Well, <laughs> it, well you exactly. Ex- there, there's a big fat hint, <laughs> which I'm not going to go into. Was it issue two? Um, I think it's three. Three. Okay. Or maybe it's. I don't remember. Okay. Well, there's a big fat, uh, <laughs> a big fat hint. Although right now you probably know. I mean, but yeah. I won't mention it. But yeah, you don't know who he is, so it'll no. be interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like it when they, uh, they bring this certain group into play. Yeah, and the thought of this person, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's researching a cloaking device and a the guardian. Mm-hmm. And who other, who knows what other technologies? You're like, you know what? That's you know, of all crazy stuff that Kirk found, you, you would think that uh, the Federation would be, you know, trying to militarize some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we make this giant green hand of Apollo uh, do something <laughs> to us? Well, okay, so if they had it, okay, so. They had the first out of phase episode because there was one with Jordy in Next Gen, which you had brought up prior to us starting to record. But the first out of phase thing was with Kirk and the Tholian web and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, yeah, I mean, two great tastes that taste great together. Being able to take a this phenomenon of being out of phase and combining that with a cloaking technology, wow! And we'll see why it's really cool. A little later? Yeah. I mean, if you were the dirty trick swing of the Federation, uh, I hope I'm not giving too much away. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's militarize it. Let's, right. let's militarize some of these ideas. So since you brought up the Next Generation episode, in that episode, they were testing a cloaking device. I mean, th- that, that episode of Next Generation, they were, they were testing a cloaking device. Oh, wow. And it somehow defazed 
Jordy Rome. and and Rolaren uh-huh. and a Romulan spy that was there. So ah. so he was he I don't remember the specifics because it's been a while, but but he was there to spy on how the Federation was going to do their cloaking technology, and he ended up getting defazed and and in that they were like ghosts. Mm-hmm. Where they could walk through walls and stuff, but somehow they didn't fall through the floor, which <laughs> I never understood. And I was like, <laughs> because because that would end the episode too quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never understood. I was like, so gravity still works, and the the whole plating obviously still works because you're not just falling through, but you can walk through walls and and obviously viewports, right? Because that's that's how it ends. Spoiler <laughs> alert: is that uh, they're able to push the Romulan out through a through the wall of the hole, and he floats away in space to his death. Mm-hmm. But uh, but anyways, it's just like you know this this story with with the, this cloaking device causing almost the same thing, but even to a, a grander scale. Mm-hmm. Okay, but but these guys don't seem like they can walk through walls. It's just like they're there, but they're not there. You know, kind of kind of the ghost thing, right? And the idea that you would be out of phase, so. I mean, the idea that you couldn't be seen kind of makes sense, but the idea that you'd be passing through walls, not so much. Like, right. if you were out of phase, you would be like, I don't know. It's all made up stuff. Who knows? <laughs> it's just, it is a little confusing what, you know, what rules they choose to uh, use and not. One thing I don't remember is, I don't remember Rx being a telepath. No. That sounds like it's something they just made up. And I'm not that familiar with the old shows, uh, the cartoon, so it is possible they could have mentioned it. Yeah, they could have mentioned that because that's where he was introduced in the cartoon. And who knows? I, I have – when I was a kid, I saw every one of those. But since then, I really haven't seen many at all. So there's a lot of details I do not remember. Right. Especially storylines. My youngest memory of Star Trek probably was when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um my grandmother bought me a coloring book of Star Trek, the animated series. Hmm. And I remember coloring this coloring book of these people in weird pajama looking things <laughs> uh, and not knowing anything about them. But right. I like the aliens and I like the spaceship. Right. Uh, so it is funny. I keep thinking back on that, that coloring book and that, that memory of like, you know, I was exposed to Star Trek way back then, but uh, I just didn't know what it was. Right. That's the only way I even knew the, who these that there was a cartoon because you know by the time I was a kid, it wasn't on the on the sure on, on you'd, the you'd have to see it in reruns. It wasn't it wasn't until it, came, it started showing on on Nickelodeon when I was in like junior high, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, they made a cartoon. Who knew? <laughs> and then I watched it. and I'm like, oh, this is that coloring book. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyways, that's a that's a weird tangent. Sorry. That's okay. We all had our little experiences with the track. So, um, so yeah, so you can cloak the ship, but then when you open the uh, the bay doors, it's you can see right inside. Does that make sense to you? Uh, not really. So here's my problem with the cloaking device being just a you know a little device that you can somehow plug into a ship. The deflector shields. Is that well, okay? So if it is that, then it has to cover the whole ship. So you're really just creating a little a bubble, a see-through bu- uh, or a, a a bubble that light passes through, right? Or bends. Yeah. Okay. So you'd actually have to, yeah. But then, well, then having the shuttle it. bay open up doesn't make sense. Uh, 
Well, the whole idea that the outside of the hull is out of phase, but the inside of the ship is not out of phase, um, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. Right. Well, we'll get into that more into the next issue because I was kind of wondering if if you're inside of it, it's not in it's in phase. But if from the outside, the inside is out of phase, I, I don't know. Well, y- you would think that truly. So it, it's is so it's in layers. So the Enterprise is built in layers. So when you're in the ship, you can never see the back side of the outer hull. Is that how it works? Because if it is just one piece of hull and you right. can see the hull from the inside of the ship, then you should be speci- looking into space. Oh, right, right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it, right. It, it, unless, of course, there's multiple layers and, and it's just the outer layer that's uh, out of phase and then the inner layer is not. I don't know. Right. Kind of like if you were the invisible man, would you ever be able to close your eyes? <laughs> you could just see. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's a very good point. I'm not going to take credit for that. That was actually in the movie uh, Hollow Man with uh, Kevin Bacon. Oh, he, they brought that up. So could he see through his eyes? Could he ever close his eyes? No, he and and that's why he went crazy and started killing people. Spoiler oh, alert. Oh, okay. okay. If I remember right, that's directed by Paul Verhoeven. If I, if I oh, really? Hmm. All right. I might be wrong on that, but definitely Kevin Bacon. Yeah. But okay. anyways... Um, but yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Well, that was the like like it, there was a book called um, I think it's called Crossover. Mm-hmm. It was I think it was by Michael Jan Friedman, and it was it was it was one of my favorite books uh, because it had it was a next generation book, but it had Scotty and McCoy and all the people that you knew were still alive in the next generation, yeah, uh, kind of teaming up, and they steal a Constitution class ship, mm-hmm. and they steal the cloaking device, mm-hmm. and they are able to cloak that ship. And um, and I remember reading that and thinking, well, how does that work? Because they just plug it in, and suddenly the whole ship is able to cloak. And I, and I was like, well, if it is somehow the the deflector shields, right, creating well, a little see through bubble. That's what they did in the Enterprise incident. But that makes sense. That yeah. that that kind of makes sense. But yeah. then you shouldn't be able to open up the hangar bay and see inside. Yeah, because I, that yeah. should still be inside the bubble. I completely agree. I completely agree. So the only way you should be able to see inside the hangar bay if it's open is if it's actually something on the skin of the ship that bends the light around just through the ship, around the ship, the skin of the ship. And I can only assume that this cloak works differently than the original Romulan cloak. So instead of doing the invisibility bubble that is somehow worked into the shields... It's affecting the the actual hull, right? But here it's which, not even it's dephasing it, which is something completely different. Well, exactly right. But okay. but that's the basis of the. I think that's the basis of the quote shield is to put it out of phase. So it's more than just a cloak. And quite frankly, I can't see how this thing could ever work in a lab. <laughs> so why are you putting it on a ship filled right. with hundreds of people? And it's the flagship. You think you would test it on, you know, a little test it on a shuttle? Test it on a shuttle. I don't know something. <laughs> yeah, mm. whatever. But that wouldn't be as as exciting. No, exciting. 
Yeah, and it was, and at the beginning, it kind of seemed like it was like a war games type thing. Like mm-hmm. you know, Kirk was being challenged to find the Enterprise. Right. Um. So you would think that there'd be more people there to watch it, right? Maybe like the, the guy who designed it. Maybe he should be there to well, you to would see it exactly. I mean, what, what was the the ultimate computer that episode? Right. Yep. I mean, at least the guy that designed the computer was there during the tests. Um. And a darn good thing, which, too. Which makes sense, right? Yeah, so yeah. You want to yep, see yep. your baby in action. Exactly. And I, if I was Captain Kirk, I want to know a little bit more about how this, this thing works before it, you know, is experimented <laughs> on my ship. But Right. Yeah, he, he's you know. kind of a bad captain sometimes. <laughs> he, 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 just lets, he just doesn't think ahead on these things. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't mention it. But there's a lot of references to Carol Marcus. Yeah, I like it too. Yeah, I, but I didn't include in the synopsis because you can't include everything. But definitely there's some moments on the shuttle where Kirk and Spock are twiddling their thumbs, where apparently Kirk saw Carol recently or something, and he's kind of preoccupied and, and kind of feeling blue, I guess. And right. uh, Spock's trying to get something out of him to help him or whatever. So. Yeah, and it, it wasn't clear. I kind of felt like he just found out that that uh, David was his son. It's kind of like it, it's kind of a, a recent thing. Well, it, uh, it it does seem that him seeing Carol it was a recent thing. And and yeah, maybe maybe that's when he found out about the kid. But we're going to see in future issues, yeah, issue more three, details about it this. Kind of changes changes the timeline of of, of that a little bit. Well. When we get to that, I definitely want to talk about more about that because okay. it definitely the time does not does not make sense, right? To me, I'm a little confused by it. Anyway, right. so when everything started to go sideways in the Enterprise, why didn't Scotty try to contact Kirk and Spock? I mean, did did it make the radios not work? Uh, well, they said they launched a buoy or something. Right? Well, I know, but okay, that's fine. So yeah, I would assume but, that that means that they couldn't. They somehow couldn't communicate. Hmm. I don't remember them specifically saying that, but... There's a lot that they don't say that you just kind of have to figure out that that's, I guess, what's happening. Okay. Okay. There you so go. So I don't know. I- I'm with you. I was confused. And why couldn't he just, I mean, I don't know, send people out in shuttles or something when you start realizing something was wrong. Escape right. pods. Something. Get yeah. somebody away. So I like how the Oryx is in here a lot. Yeah, I like RX. Yeah. I, I don't know as much about RX because I really don't remember a lot. I mean, I remember some episodes of the the, the cartoon TV series, mm-hmm. but I don't remember a lot of details about RX. Right. So it's interesting learning more about him and seeing him in action. Yeah. Yeah, yeah usually you just saw him behind the, the, the station and you never actually saw him walking around all that much. So it's right. nice to see that the animators here can afford to... Have him stand up and walk around a little bit. <laughs> exactly. And you only have to do one panel per page. Right. You can do that. Right. I will say as far as the artwork goes. Yeah, artwork. Let's is, talk about it. This is the first time I ever thought that those space suits looked cool. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but the way they draw them here, mm-hmm. it actually looks interesting and may, maybe practical. I don't know. But it, I actually like these. These uh these spacesuits, whereas yeah. on the show and in every other depiction, I've always thought they looked really cheesy. 
Right. Well, I like them. And I kind of liked them before. Um, although, again, skin-tight suits is kind of weird. Uh, but then I, I kind of like all those external parts, like on the outside of the suit. Yeah, the blue, like green. Like on the chest. Uh, yeah, the blue, orange, exactly. and red bits. Yeah, right. it looks cool. Yeah, I, 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 it's, it's not symmetrical. It's visually interesting, all the different colors and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't look, to me, it does not look cheesy. Oh, and, and it looks like interesting. Though. It looks interesting. <laughs> what? In the real one, it does. <laughs> when it's on the show, it looks it looks like okay. Well, it looks like cheesy sci-fi stuff. Yeah. Well, isn't it also kind of like a silvery, like glittery kind of yeah. material? So that right. makes it look a little cheesy. But you don't get that glittery thing here, don't you? I don't think so. No, no. It looks yeah. it looks like it's all looks gray. better. Yeah. I think in general the artwork's quite good. Mm-hmm. The ships look accurate, although I got to say, not a lot of creativity on the Romulan shuttlecraft. It looks a lot like the Galileo 7. So, uh, we don't see the uh, shuttlecraft in this one, Ken. Well, you do on the, on the fourth page, where it's you know, like, kind of like the first thing to kind of grab your interest. There's uh, Kirk running, oh, maybe that's only in the graphic novel? It might only be in the graphic novel. Anyway, on page four of the graphic novel, uh, no, five, on page five, it has a really great grabber page that shows Kirk in the spacesuit running away from the open shuttle bay, and uh, the Romulan uh, shuttlecraft is, like, barely breaking through the closing doors. And Uh, Kirk is saying, brace for impact! And it's like, that's cool, I like that. So, I mean, he's basically also saying to the reader, brace for impact, because this is going to be a... Uh, a thrill ride. A bumpy ride. It's going to be a b- bumpy thrill ride. Yeah, anyway. that, that's not in the issue. Okay. I mean, yeah. that, so panel, the... it, that panel is in issue two. But sure, it's sure, sure. It's, <laughs> okay, so they got that in the, uh, in the graphic novel. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so getting back to it. So I think the phasers look good. For the most part, the characters look good, accurate. They look like the actors. Although there are a few little shots of the like face shots. In one panel, Kirk will look really good and accurate, and then in another panel, it's like eh, he looks kind of off. Mm, uh, like the proportions aren't quite quite right. But for the most part, it's all very good stuff. I like it. Yeah, I like. What do you think? I like the artwork. I like the artwork a lot. Yeah, good job. Uh, very colorful, also. You know, all quite nice eye candy. All right. Anything else for this one? Uh, no. All right, then I shall talk about issue number two right quick. Perfect. So this came out May of 2008. Ken read off all the the writing staff, so I won't go through that again. Uh, There's only one cover, and it's kind of a weird cover because it shows Chekhov and Kirk. I guess they're kind of floating or falling, and the background is, I guess, the inside of the ship, but it's all pink. So it's, it's a very pink cover with just Kirk and Chekhov normal colored in the foreground, and they're shooting their phasers. So the story starts off with a very confusing scene because it, I don't know if it's a flashback or flash forward or flash sideways. I don't know what's going on, so uh, we'll talk about it in a little bit. But it starts off with Spock meeting the female Romulan commander from uh, the Enterprise incident, you know, the one they stole the cloak from. Uh, so they're meeting. Uh, she's handing over possession of Ambassador Sarek, 
uh, and it's stated that he was, I guess, caught in the Romulan Empire, perhaps trying to reunite the Vulcan and Romulan people. And then Sarek tells his son that uh, any type of reunification is probably a lost cause. They're too far gone. And then suddenly we snap back to immediately after the events of issue number one, which is the uh, same female commander. She's in contact with Kirk, who's on the bridge of the Enterprise. Still, the Enterprise is cloaked, and uh, she's basically threatening to destroy Kirk and the Enterprise unless he surrenders to her. He refuses to do so, and she does actually fire onto the cloaked ship. But the blast just passed straight through the, the ship. So it is somehow not only cloaked visibly, but it's also intangible itself. She then orders a shuttle to try to land inside the Enterprise's open shuttle bay. So we have several tense moments as Kirk tries to shut the door as the Romulan craft heads towards it. In the end, the doors are not shut in time, and the Romulan shuttlecraft crashes inside with the uh, boarding party. Meanwhile, Spock is able to free a few people from the cloaked intangible dimension, including uh, Scotty, Sulu, Chekhov, Oryx, and a few red shirts. Spock and Scotty go off to engineering to try to disengage the cloaking device so that they can then snap everybody back into the actual dimension. Kirk, along with Sulu, Chekhov, and the few red shirts, head towards the bridge with the Romulans in pursuit. During this whole chase scene, Kirk's team seem to all be weightless, so they're all running through the corridors, floating along with the Romulans. But uh, every time we flash back to Spock and Scotty, it seems like their gravity is working just fine. So anyways, the Federation crew is eventually able to make it to the bridge. The Romulans do kill a few of the red shirts on along the way. In engineering, Scotty and Spock think that they're able to disengage the cloak at any time. The uh, Romulan commander is able to dock with the Enterprise. Or at least it says that they were able to engage docking. And then Kirk has this crazy idea that he's going to fly the ship through a dwarf star and hope that the cloaking device saves them from the heat, gravity, and radiation. So they head in, and then I don't think it's mentioned anywhere, but I guess the Romulan ship disengages and leaves. The Enterprise passes straight through the star. On the other side of the star, they are able to decloak, and everybody pops back into existence, and they are able to capture all of the Romulan raiding party. On the other side of the star, they find a Romulan D7. So instead of decloaking again, the Enterprise is able to get the D7 to get too close to the star, and it is destroyed itself. So they uh, start heading towards Starbase K-12 to have the cloaking device completely removed. And that's where it ends. You didn't mention one of the most important parts. Did I miss a part? Which one? The fact the little, that... The little conversation Kirk has with the guy? Or does that happen in the third beginning of the third issue? I thought it was the end of the... Oh, you know what? Yeah. So uh, as they're disengaging the uh, the cloaking device, there is, there is a gentleman there that says that he's from uh, Section 31. Mm. And he's going to take the, the device. Right. And then Kirk is like... Well, whatever. 
just get it off my ship. Or whatever, because yeah. he has no idea what Section 31 is. Yeah, he's a small section. Yeah. What section are you with again? 31, sir. Right. I hope you guys can figure out what's wrong with this new toy. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Nope, that was this one, sorry. So you think this guy is the guy from the beginning? Or he just works with Section 31? I don't believe he's the, the guy from the beginning. He, he's just a, a mook. Yeah, he's just right. a... A Maytag salesman. But uh, <laughs> but the guy at the beginning, I mean, you know, he, he's like, if anybody's like an internal bad guy, it's him, you know. Right. You know, kind of like, like the smoking man or, uh, you know, somebody within the government who uh, you can't trust. So he's the Admiral Marcus. There you go. Exactly. The Admiral Marcus. I'm going to be really excited and happy if it ends up being Admiral Marcus. <laughs> Interesting. It's like, what if DC Fontania is is where all that came from? We all thought it was just made up for Beyond. Uh-huh. Or, uh, not Beyond. Uh, what was uh, that Calvin Universe? Yeah, what was the second one called? Into Darkness. Oh, Into Darkness. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, there's there's lots of things in the JJ verse that were taken from Taz and original stuff, right? But, but not not so much the comic books. I'm pretty sure JJ never read one of these comics and was like, you know what, we're not. gonna we're gonna use that. Yeah, but also Orsi, he must be a big comic book fan. Sure. Um, and then uh, Orsi and Kurtzman, Kurtzman. Yeah. You never. I mean, you never know. You never know. I mean, they're getting ideas are flowing back and forth, uh, which there's nothing wrong with that. You never know where things are originating from. That's true. There you go. You never know. Okay. So Section 31 is obviously, they're outed, at least to us, the reader, as the originator of this little uh, toy. So interesting how Kirk seems to have no idea who they are. So... Their secret is well kept, even from somebody who's, you know, pretty dialed in to the mm-hmm. Federation and to Starfleet. Um, interesting if in the movies, when he's an admiral, if he was still unknowing of who they are. And I just want to go back in time a little bit and take a short little trip into Discoveryville, as in the, the TV show. The new TV series? The okay. new TV series. So, Captain Lorca... You know, more and more, I'm thinking that Lorca may not have been working for Section 31, but he may have been the originator of Section 31. Did I say that before? You did not. Okay. Well, that's my that's my latest theory. <laughs> okay. So, um, Lorca is definitely of the mold that he will do anything to win the war, and uh, definitely... I think he was fine when that that admiral. I hope this is this is not a spoiler for anybody, but when he let that admiral, who he had a personal relationship with, a very intimate one, go off to that attempt to try to deal with the Klingons, and she ends up getting captured by the Klingons. I think he was absolutely fine with that going on. There's lots of ways that I like Lorca, the character, a lot, but he's definitely got some dark side to him. Right. And I can completely see him either working with Section 31 or he's actually the guy that created it. Because I don't think anybody in all the times we ta- they was first exposed on DS9, I don't think anybody ever talked about you know how long Section 31's been around. But it's right. been around 
by the time DS9 uh, exposes them. They've been around a while, but you don't know how far back they were around. Right. Right? They, well, they never and, said that, did they? No, they never say it in the, in the show. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, but it is around in Enterprise. Uh, oh, ooh, oh, ooh. okay, that, fine. There goes my theory. Yeah, because Eric, Eric Pierport, I think that's his name, the uh, actor who was San Francisco in Alienation, he, he was... He tried to recruit Malcolm into Oh, right, 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 right. Okay, so they've been around a long time. Okay. Right. So what – okay, so – so what was – if it was that far in the past, what was the triggering event that made Section 31 necessary? I mean I could see a war with the Klingons that you could very much lose being something that would force you into the creation of such, a, such a, an organization. Um, right. So, but if it's that far back in time, then what is that? Our just our own paranoia, or yeah, probably our own paranoia, right? So, okay, okay, yeah. So the there's humans or whatever out there that uh, that didn't, you know, that were, you know, maybe they were upset that the Vulcans didn't just hand them all the information, or they didn't trust the Vulcans, or yeah, and then so they they created the Section Thirty One back then. Okay, I don't know. Okay, okay, fine. There there goes my Lorca theory so but i definitely say he's working with them that's an interesting theory yeah that's that's what i think okay i need to get get caught up on that because uh none of what you said meant anything to me oh did i oh so i ruined it for you yeah so of all the <laughs> listeners that are listening to this months from now they're gonna be like oh yeah 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 we already know yeah yeah and yeah, i'm cause, like because we're way behind on editing i'm i'm behind I'm okay. behind on watching it, so yeah. Oh well. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Moving on. Um, I'm kind of wondering about that pistol that the Romulan commander hands over to her number one when he's getting ready to go on the boarding party. I'm thinking that pistol looks very Klingony to me. Maybe they're borrowing guns too. Well, I'm just wondering wh- why they have to make that look Klingony. I mean, bad enough they're using D7s sometimes, but um, anyway. Yeah, I had a problem with that page, too, because he suddenly goes from being dark-haired in the page before to almost brownish hair, um, yeah. similar to hers. Yeah. And he keeps the brown hair for the rest of the issue, but all the way up till then, he was very dark-haired. Yeah. Maybe with a little bit of gray. I mean, he, he oh, looked I agree. like a, a very distinguished man, and then suddenly he looked like a, almost like a the the same color hair Shatner had in the um, in all the DC uh, comic books, where it was right. kind of that permy brown color. Yeah, um, he's got wavy. He, it looks like he's got kind of got wavy hair, but yeah, yeah. I, you know, until you mentioned that, I did not notice that. But I'm yeah, flipping I, between the two pages right now, and you are a hundred percent right. Yeah, I had to keep doing that too because I was like, "Oh, is this another guy?" <laughs> it's like <laughs> she she suddenly tar- started changing to a different guy. Right. Interesting. Yeah, because I thought the first at, at the beginning, I kept thinking he looks a lot like Peter Capaldi. You know, I kept kind of imagining him oh, playing hmm. this this uh, this older um, you know number one mm-hmm. commander, and then turn the page and he's he's this young guy, or at least his hair. You know, it, it was weird that just his hair made him look much younger. Right. In some panels, I kind of recognize that character. That drawing was actually of 
an actor who was playing a Romulan in Taws. Maybe one of the people that were hanging around in the Enterprise incident. I don't know. That would but, be sick. But he looks familiar in some panels. But the idea that he looks like Peter Capaldi, uh, Doctor Who, uh, yeah, you're right. I think you're right. In some panels, he does look like that. Hmm. Yeah, but obviously that's a coloring error. Right. Very much a coloring error. Oh, well. Good catch. I thought it was pretty cool when the Romulan's disruptor fire just passed harmlessly through the Enterprise. It's like... It was, uh, it was a surprise, yeah. That was a surprise. I wasn't expecting that. And it's like, man, okay, so this cloaking device doesn't only make it so you can't detect the ship, but you can't even touch it. Whoa! I mean, talk about a, a great weapon up your sleeve. Right. Wow. And then I was thinking, you know, so, all right, so the ship and the interior and the people that are defazed yeah. can get the phasers will go through, but I was like, all right, so Kirk, Spock, and now Oryx are in phase on the ship, so exactly. if she would have just accidentally hit them, would it have killed them? I, 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 would, I would have thought it would put a hole through the interior. So, so who cares if anybody's there or not? You can have a hole in the ship, I would think. Right. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Well, no. yeah. But obviously that's not the case, because then they no. go through the star, and they're fine. Yeah, uh, the Nova or whatever. Or well, yeah, it's a. They call it a pulsar, but pulsar. It's a, then in the next issue they they you know they refer to it as a dwarf star. So, but there's all kinds of like stuff they're passing around, isn't it? Didn't didn't it look kind of like an asteroid field a little bit? Okay, well that's a, that's another issue. No. no, it's this issue. Well, let's let's go forward to that then. I'm I'm flipping through pages. Uh, no, I don't see any asteroid stuff. It's just white light and stuff. Okay, okay. But it's silly. Okay. They they should not be able to pass through a star. No, but that's pretty cool if you could. <laughs> yeah, it would be cool if you could, but it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's an all-purpose. Uh, it's an all-purpose device. Right. I mean, geez. I mean, almost because of all the tricks it has up its sleeve, you can almost see why Section 31 will do anything to advance its development. Even put it on a, uh, <laughs> on a ship, uh, an important ship, <laughs> and uh, put its entire crew at risk. Right. Yeah, whatever this is, it's kind of like the transwarp thing. You've made something that's way too powerful, way too early in the timeline. There's no explanation as to why you don't see this on, on everything going forward. Yeah, except for the fact that it's it's unpredictable. It's dangerously unpredictable. Who cares if if you have something like that? That I mean, you, he was able to turn it off. So you're if you could figure a way to turn it on and off, uh, then why not? Yeah, use it. So okay, so everybody goes out of phase. Fine. Yeah, and, and then, then you just and then it as back long off. as you control how to come back into phase, yeah. okay. Yeah. Right. So yeah, if, good if, point. Good point. I mean, two people were able to do it. So if you there's obviously a way to do it, so if you could just somehow make it at a switch of a button, uh, they, I mean, who cares if it kills everybody on? You know? <laughs> so it's, like, it's like, I don't see how they wouldn't have this in the future. Yeah, at some point. Yeah. Unless, of course, it just plain doesn't work. Right, but it does work. He went through a star. Yeah. That's what got me. I was like, all right, so 
All right, so, okay, I'll buy that the radiation and the phasers and stuff went through. But gravity still has to work, and you go through a star, you're, you're going to be crushed to I agree. nothing. Very good, very good. Well, I and agree you won't that. be able to come back out, right? You could go in, but I don't buy that you're able to go out. Yeah, gravity is kind of a imp- uh, very powerful force. Right. It's hard to get around it. So, And isn't manipulating the gravity kind of how the warp engines work? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just like... How are you able to move if gravity doesn't affect you? Well, you can't go beyond the speed of light. Every physical thing, including light, cannot go beyond the speed of light. Right. So I think I thought the whole idea of the warp bubble is that you are warping space and kind of outside of normal space while you're going super fast. Right. Um, so you could still do that even though gravity and nothing else, no other physical manifestation applies to you? I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Just... I don't know. But uh, but but uh, I think that how warp drive is supposed to work, I think that that the whole – when you actually find out theoretically how it's supposed to happen, it. I think you're more like – uh, you know, doing the hyperdrive thing, you know, right. or Star Wars or Babylon Five. Uh, you're you're move. You have to move out of normal space. Right. So you would think you would be kind of in a, you know, something that looked like you were out of normal space, not just flying through space. Yeah, but you Star know, Trek always but, does it where you I mean you could still scan everything and you're still yeah yeah you're, you're, you're still in normal space exactly. even though you're traveling faster than exactly. Life. Now I like Beyond. Because they got that one shot, which I loved, where it's kind of like far off, but it's showing the Enterprise going through space in warp, and it, you can kind of see like the waves of like space distortion around it. I thought that was pretty cool looking. Mm. But still, I don't, I don't remember that shot. You don't? Okay, well, go back and look. It's pretty cool. It's just you know, it's just one really you know, it's, it's only a second or two long. It's not very long at all, but right. still. Okay, that's it. Um, well, can we I talk don't... about the beginning scene? Because what was that? Okay, Where the there suddenly scene. she's giving to Sarek to Spock and... Oh, that was a flashback. It Was it? Cause it doesn't say it was a flashback. It was completely a flashback. So, and so... When, when did that happen? Because oh. this is year four. No, no. Uh, she... she uh, okay. It was only year three that she and Spock had the thing. So where where did that happen? And That when... was that was completely after... That was meet. That was after the Enterprise incident. Okay. So that was after the original Taws episode. Remember, she is with them. Okay? And that is where basically oh, so was this she's a being handed exchange? back. Prisoner exchange. Exactly. Uh, right, right, okay. right. So this is where she went back to the Romulan Empire. Exactly. And they gave Sarek back to her. To them. All right. Well, that makes more sense. Right. Okay. I was really confused. I, 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 I was like, okay, she shows up. And then now she's giving Sarek back to Spock, and I'm like, isn't Spock supposed to be working on the thing? I'm, I'm, I was okay. I wish they would have um, made a little made that clearer. That. Yeah. Okay. Well, hmm. they're not okay. gonna write. They're not gonna put everything out there for you, man. Well, I was, I was lost. Yeah. And I was also lost on why there was no gravity sometimes. Like oh, just yeah. during during the pursuit there was no gravity, but yeah. I mean I could understand 
I mean, the, the shuttle did damage when it crashed. Oh, yeah. But uh, That shuttle that looks amazingly like uh, like the Galileo. It's, it's a little longer, isn't it? Well, I mean, there are some differences. Uh, the, the, they got a wraparound windshield. <laughs> so that's that's different. Okay, fine. But I mean, and yeah, they got a, they they got the the great bird of the galaxy uh, paint job. Okay, fine. But you know, it's about the same size. They got the nacelles on the side, just like the Galileo Seven. Even the red tip on the front, the Buzzard collector, whatever they call that. They just didn't bother going too far afield from the Galileo design. And it looked like there was three shuttles coming in. Uh, but only one landed. Did did it ever explain uh, what happened? I thought it was just one. Well, if you look at the pictures, there's three coming. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, only one got in. And then what happened to the Galileo? Because when it crashes, there's no other shuttle there, but the the Galileo should have been sitting there in the middle. Well, uh, I, I you know Kirk that's moved that, it before that, he started that to is the, the door. that is the thing about. The original Taws shuttle bay, they made it look so small. And a lot of times they seemed like they only had one shuttle. Right. But yeah, good point. They're not even addressing that. Personally, I like, that's one thing I like about the JJ-verse. At least they made the ship big enough that you could have, it's almost like a lot of what they did, they had OSHA in mind or something. So, (laughs) no, you don't send a ship out into... Uh, out into the universe that just has one shuttlecraft. Because <laughs> they didn't even, I mean, in the original Enterprise, they didn't even have uh, life pods, as far as I Escape could tell. Escape pods, right. Escape and they never pods. talked about it. No, no, no. So you got one, okay, maybe you've got two shuttle shuttlecraft on board. That doesn't sound very, very safe. And then, oh, the phasers, you know, okay, so in the JJ-verse, they got the, uh, you know, the flippy thing that has, like, the red covered tips, so you really know when it's, uh, you know, when it's you're set to stun or kill. You know, all that sounds like very good OSHA stuff. But, uh, anyway, that's my little rant there. All right, and then back to this and my confusion. Um, so the, the, the Romulan shuttle was able to dock with the Enterprise? Not the Romulan shuttle. The Romulan ship was able to dock with the Enterprise, or did it when? actually land inside? Huh? Well, okay, the only thing that landed in the Enterprise was the Romulan shuttle. Shuttle. That's yeah. what I thought. That's the only thing. But then they talk about they talk about uh, the the main one somehow docking. And really? then that's when Kirk says, I'm going to fly through the ship, through the star. Uh, isn't it? I don't, I don't think they ever docked. Okay. I mean, they may have talked about possibly docking, but they never docked. Wait, the, the, the Romulan Bird of Prey. Okay, okay, okay. No, yeah, all right. I, all right, I see where I misread. Okay. So uh, it, they're looking at the Romulan Bird of Prey through the view screen, and right. then Kirk says, are the hangar doors secure? And Sulu says that there's a hard seal. I, I guess I thought that somehow the ship was cloaked because then she's talking to the Romulan, uh, a Romulan commander in like the next page. And I thought, well, somehow she was on the ship. I was confused. Yeah, All I, right. I think she's talking from their own ship. I mean, so they, not the Enterprise. they were going to get boarded. And then that's when Kirk decided to go through the star. That's, that was his thing to get away from her. I mean, she can't hurt uh, him. 
So I don't understand why. He well, I, I think they, they need to turn off the – they were getting ready to turn off the cloak. So once they turn off the cloak, there will be a sitting duck. Right? So they thought if they were on the other side of the star, then they then they'll be safe. Time. By, mm-hmm. by some time, they, they can get rid of the – turn off the cloak and maybe even just you know warp drive it out of there. Right. Mm, okay. Until it's like, uh-oh, there's another one on the other side. A D7. A, a bigger one. Oh, sorry. That didn't happen to the next one, right? No, it was in this one. Oh, okay, good, 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 okay. Oh, that's right. And, and, and by the way, when the D7 does break up, um, what caused that? Gravimetric yeah. pressures and stuff? Is that what did it? Right. Okay. Yeah, because the Enterprise is able to go through the star, decloak, got and the then, cloak. then still play around with the sun. Okay. Um, and then, but the D7 could not. Okay. No, it's not cool. It is. It I, I'm just trying to get it straight. Okay. No. Yeah, you're right. Okay. okay. So we're going way long. So. Yep. Anything else on this one? Nope. You've clarified all my confusions. <laughs> whether I'm satisfied really? with whether I'm satisfied <laughs> or not, at least I understand. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good. Okay. Issue number three is. Um, it's pages 50 through 71 of the graphic novel, and it's June 2008 of the original issue. Uh, all the same pe- – I'm not, I'm not going to repeat, people. Uh, it's got one cover, and that cover features Kirk in a fierce, in fierce combat with a Klingon. Uh, so they are like like mono mono thing. Um, so they are at the point of contact. So the Klingon is hitting Kirk in the chest – which is throwing off Kirk's phaser fire, so the beam is is missing uh, missing the Klingon as uh, the knife, which is in the uh, Klingon's other hand, is getting ready to cu- to come and hit hit Kirk. So it's a very action packed picture, and Kirk is not getting the better of the fight so far. So you kind of look at this at the uh, comic book store, going, "Whoa, we have to see what happens there." Okay, uh, a nice cover. I like it. Captain Kor states his frustration with the meddling Organians. It's been three years since they ruined his plans for himself and his family's house. What they could have gained with the dilithium-rich planet of Organia. Since then, every attempt at testing the Organians to find weaknesses, a way to get loose of their yoke, has failed. Kor takes a solemn oath to restore his family's honor no matter what the cost. Corps comms officer completes translation of an encrypted Starfleet communication that tells them of a new motherlode find of dilithium on planet Lauren 5, enough to run Starfleet ships for the next 50 years, according to the communique. Corps orders Helm to alter course to Lauren 5, where he says they will have another opportunity to test the bounds of the Organian's powers. Meanwhile, at Space Station K-12, the Enterprise is undergoing repairs from their run-in with the Romulans and that damned experimental cloaking device. McCoy pronounces Captain Kirk physically fit for duty, but expresses concern for Kirk working too long and too hard. It's been ages since he has taken shore leave. McCoy asks Kirk about Carol, who Kirk recently saw. McCoy thinks he might be dealing with his family's problems by drowning himself in work. 
As Kirk leaves the sick bay, he thinks of losing his brother not too long ago and gaining a son. Dot, 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 dot. Kirk arrives on the bridge and orders course set for space station K-22 in the Lorinian system. They have been ordered to investigate why the station has gone silent. Spock reports it will be six hours until they arrive. Kirk gives the order to engage engines, maximum warp. Meanwhile, high above Loren 5, Captain Kor makes preparations to lay waste to the Federation Dilithium mining colony there. So far, the Organians are not intervening in the Klingons' murderous actions. The surface bombardment begins, and the miners take shelter in the mines. The Enterprise arrives at K-22 and finds it destroyed. Spock's analysis of sensor scans leave little doubt the station was attacked by the Klingons. Kirk says it should not have happened. The Organians have kept the peace for two years. Kirk receives orders to divert to Lorenian or Kirk receives orders to divert to Loren 5, best speed. The brass thinks that this is the Klingons' target. Kirk is told 22 hours until backup arrives, so Kirk and the Enterprise are on their own. While the ship heads to Loren 5, Kirk calls a conference with the senior officers where they explain the Organian buffer zone whose effectiveness led Starfleet to move ships away from the Klingon border and to the Romulan neutral zone. Listening posts have been watching for ship movements, but few ships are in quick response range if the Klingons found a way to get past the Organians, which they appear to have done. Kirk ends the discussion when Sulu reports they are on approach to the planet. It's time to do our duty, gentlemen. They enter orbit, but detect no Klingons. High amounts of radiation indicates orbital bombardment of the surface. But where have the Klingons gone? Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and a full security detail beam down and find 12 Klingons in a pitched gun battle with miners in a cave. Kirk and his people are above the fray and can see the Klingons. They deploy on both sides of the firefight and on Kirk's orders, fire down. Though it's like a turkey shoot, one Klingon is able to attack from behind. Unfortunately for the Klingon, he was defeated by a smart officer named Fritz. The Klingons were beamed back to the ship and put in the brig while Kirk and the ship moved to a nearby moon to help conceal the Enterprise. The director of the dilithium mining operation, named Sanderson, came up to the ship and told Kirk the whole story about the Klingon attack, and about a find they discovered 10 kilometers northeast of their mining settlement. Sanderson thinks the dilithium baited the Klingons to Loren 5, but it's the find that they really want now. Spock scans the site, and Sanderson describes, but some pesky neutrino particles at the coordinates obscures the results. Kirk forms an away team to take down a shuttle to the site. On the way down, Kirk can't help but wonder what happened to the Organians. His thoughts go broader to the implications of the race's power that meant ultimately the Federation was not fully in control of their own destiny. As they pass through the clouds and come upon the site, they see a gleaming underground city through a huge crack in the surface of Loren 5. 
to be continued. All right, Ken. So one of the things that was in the book that, that I think you skipped out of I the did. synopsis was yeah. the uh, flashback scene at uh, Sam Kirk's funeral. Yeah, I did. I made a choice. So there is interesting things going on there, but I don't see how that has anything to do with the main storyline. It's almost like filler. Interesting filler, but it's almost like filler, and I decided to cut it out of the synopsis. But let's talk about it. Yeah, so it brought up questions for me. So where is this? I assumed that it was Earth that they would have buried Sam Kirk at, but yeah. could it have been the planet that he was living at, that, that colony world that got attacked by the, the Probably parasites? not. Probably not. Because, so because Carol, I assume it's Earth, but I really don't know. I mean, yeah, Carol Marcus is there, right? Carol's there, yeah. And David's was, there. So right. I really doubt if she's going to fly all the way out to whatever that planet was. Um, right. So I, I think they brought him back to Earth. But the Enterprise was able to... I mean, that seems like a long way out of the way. You're you're going where no man has gone before yeah. on a mission. <laughs> Somebody's brother dies, and you go all the way back home so yeah. that one person can attend the funeral. I agree. I agree. It, it seemed a little impractical. And bring Peter home. Right, but would you interrupt your your exploration for for that? I mean, probably not. They, yeah. You probably couldn't justify it. Yeah, it's a tough call because I mean, it is his brother, but you know, you got to be practical. You got five hundred people on the ship that are going off to explore what hasn't been explored, not go back home every other week. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Although we see that in the JJ verse, right? Okay, so I, I completely agree with you. And also temporarily, the, the timing does not seem right either. Because obviously this happened, okay, well, Operation Annihilate, I think that was the name of the episode. Yeah, first season. So, exactly. First season. So this is a first season episode. So that's years before, what, two years? Before the core events taking place in this book. Right. So he's thinking back and he's seeing his son, David, and Carol Marcus, his significant other. I thought at first that this was the event where Kirk had seen Carol and discovered about David, but that's like two years ago. Right. So then he must have seen her recently in a different incident. Right. Maybe there's there's another flashback in the fourth or fifth issue. Maybe there is. But they're kind of insinuating that Kirk is so upset over all this because that's when he saw Carol, and it was recent, and that's when he discovered about David. Right. But no, several years ago he discovered about David. So I just wanted to mention that. It's confusing. It is confusing. That's why I wanted to talk about it because Kirk's thinking about it because McCoy's giving him a hard time about you're, you're obviously upset about your family, and then we get a, a, at least a two-year-old flashback. Right. And it seems like finding out about your son and seeing her again at the funeral would be exactly the kind of event that would trigger Kirk's current problems. Right. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. So maybe DC's just taking a little taking a little bit liberties with the timeline to try to give an impetus to uh, Kirk's second issues. So he's got issues dealing with all this cloaking stuff and now core and all that kind of stuff and the Romulus before. And now in parallel, he's also trying to overcome these personal issues that are going on. Totally unrelated. Right. Anyway, it just seems like they're trying to pack a lot of stuff into here. 
Right. And so maybe it'll pay off later um, because we haven't read the last two issues. But yeah, as maybe. of right now, it seemed like the flashback did not fit. That's no. Or it, it, yeah. And you can have an A-B story. Right. It's just – yeah. But at least for this flashback, you knew it was a flashback, whereas in the second issue, when it had the flashback and it was very jarring in that it felt like it was happening then. Right. Uh, at least here it was, you know, in little – the bubbles were different and stuff like that. It was it definitely had the flashback feel. Right. Yep. Anyways, I think that the the one dude on the landing party that, that killed all the Klingons was a, was a total – Badass. Yeah, he was. I don't know who that guy was. <laughs> a... Yeah, what, what was uh, – Fitz. His name was Fitz or something or Fritz or something. I don't know what it was. So he got stabbed in the chest and then he shoots – shoots a guy under the arm under the armpit and right and he blows the rest of them up with a, a grenade phaser yeah yeah with a phaser set to overload oh here you go he just tosses it at him it's like you 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 are muy muy macho and then i thought it was funny because he's he's a he's a gold shirt he's not yes. even a red shirt no he's not and then while everybody's focusing on him there's another red shirt in the back that looks like he's about to get stabbed in the in the back but somehow right. Spock is able to uh, get to him in time. Nerve pinch that guy. Right, right, right. But so I thought Spock it was, was funny. Able. I was like, so the so the gold shirt is a total badass, and then now we're going to see this red shirt in the background just get stabbed in the back like a chump. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be so funny. You know, personally, I wish he was a red shirt. Yeah, I do because too, but... I am sick to death of red shirts basically being. I mean, they're just cannon fodder. I mean, they're they're, they're like the grunts, you know, with the air breathers and Halo. And I'm sick of it. I mean, these guys, I mean, yeah, you, you got to put the football players someplace. But do they all have to be football players <laughs> uh, in the red shirts? I don't know. Right. And sorry, there are intelligent football players too, but I'm just saying. Yeah, you, you got it. Yeah. Anyway, would it have killed them to make that a red shirt? Right. Instead of a gold, uh, command gold tunic? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Yeah. In- I'm agreeing with you 100%. Yeah. And I will also say that the cut that the guy gets is pretty deep, but it's a very Kirkian wound. So, you know, a cut across the chest like Kirk got from Spock in um, a mock time. Only it looks a lot deeper. So, because the guy's sitting there like, oh, you know, he's, he's being pretty wimpy, quite frankly. But, you know, come on. It's probably a pretty deep cut. Hmm. Yeah, this guy. I don't know. It, it, it was a deep cut, yeah. Yeah. He's, maybe he's holding his intestines in. Who knows? What? Different different part of the body, man. <laughs> it's cutting across the uh, the manly pecs. Yeah, it does look like it was across the sternum. Uh, Yeah. So. Okay, so the big reveal here. I mean, this has had a couple reveals. But I think the big... So one big reveal is, hey, the Organians, MIA. It's like, okay. Uh, what's the deal? So that's a big reveal, and where are they? And then now we see the city under the ground in a fissure, like the cities within an eggshell of open space with the uh, with the land above it, except for the fissure, like the Grand Canyon-like fissure above it. Well, what are they setting this up for? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, some secret, some secret society under the ground. Yeah, you you mentioned that. You thought it was the Organians, which I, I'll admit, I, I did not see that 
Yeah. But once you said it, I was like, oh, well, that makes total sense. Yeah, so they seem to be teeing this up to give you an origin of the Organians. So is this where the Organians are originally from? Since they're incorporeal beings, we found out in the original Taz episode, you know, maybe when they went incorporeal, they they don't need the city anymore and they're gone. Uh, I don't know. Or, Or do they exist physically there and they're like projecting their you know, themselves to uh, other planets like Organia. So they may not really be Organians. They may really be Lorenians. But, um... Good point. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be... I mean, if if they set this up like this, and if it does, that does not shed more light on who the Organians are and where they came from, I'm going to be disappointed. (laughs) Yeah, no, um... Yeah, I'm with you. I I was not thinking Organians. I was just like, ooh, something new next issue. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, it totally makes sense. Yeah. And they're gonna explain why the Organians are never seen again in the movie verse or the next generation or anything like that. Right. No, nope, it's good. I'm your explanation. If it's anything other than that, now I'm gonna be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, but we'll see. So, um, the mining guy, Sanderson, um, Mm -hmm. Kirk and Spock know this guy. Yeah, how? Well, okay, so because of the outfit, I was thinking, oh, Devil in the Dark. He must must be that that lead guy in Devil in the Dark. But then I went back and double-checked, because there's a guy that, there's the actor, he played in a lot of, like, cowboys and and hard-boiled detectives or whatever back in the 60s. You know, he was on a lot of, he showed up in a lot of things. No, his character's name was Vandenberg. So that wasn't Sanderson, even though they have the same, I I guess all miners are forced to have these orange jumpsuits on. Well, yeah, that's that's what they wear. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so I don't know. I I don't know. But they, they, they met him at some point in the past. And, and I tried to do Star Trek Sanderson yeah. search, and uh, I, I think there was some, might, maybe some things that talked about expanded universe, but I didn't find anything easily. I guess I could have dug more, but I, right. I stopped. I, I didn't find a reference. Yeah, memory uh, beta does not have an entry for this Sanderson. Okay, okay. Well, if he's not there, yeah, I, I don't know what the deal is. Yeah. Yeah, no, I thought the same thing. I just assumed uh, I didn't know who it was. Right. And I was so, like, oh, well, well, Ken will know. I'll ju- I won't. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows? Maybe he's one of the other guys that w- that worked under Vandenberg. Who knows? But uh, Schmitter was killed, so I remember him working under Vandenberg. But, uh, but who knows? Maybe he, was, maybe he was one of the guys in the background. You never heard his name. Right. I don't know. All right. Okay, um, so... I actually don't have anything else, so... Well, you have I have a question. It's not clear. Where's, where'd Cora go off to? So he just uh, drops off, you know, X number of soldiers to attack the miners and clean things up down there, and he just takes off? Right. Well, he, yeah, he, he shot. I assume that when he shot onto the planet, yeah, he must have somehow broken open the, the city. But then, yeah, I don't know why he ran off. Yeah, but I thought the, I thought the city was, like, in another part. Yeah. Uh, of the planet. Of the oh, okay. planet, right. So, okay, so, and, and I had the impression from what Sanderson said is that he was really, now they're really interested in this, in the, in the find, the quote, air quotes are going right now, the find. 
yet they're not there either. So right. what? What? What's going on? So I, you know, I, lots, lots, lots. There could be a lot of interesting things in issue four. I think. I agree because I thought the same thing. And then I thought, well, maybe he really is there, but he's kind of like, you know, hiding behind uh, the moon or something like that. <laughs> and that he would just like pop out when when they go to the uh, when when they get to the city. OK, yeah, because I can definitely see uh, there being Klingons down in the city, too. But where is the spaceship? You know, right. Cloaked. They're like, Haha, we got we got it from the Romulans. <laughs> Sucks to be you. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I have questions, my friend. Even though a lot of things have been revealed in these first three issues, there's lots more. More mystery boxes to be opened. I just hope it gets answered. Well, it better be. Mm. Mm. Ye of little faith. Yeah. So, no, I'm looking forward to reading the next two. Okay, well. All right, so did you have anything else? I have nothing else. What, what's happening next week, Donnie? Well. Well, next week we'll finish this one off, year four, uh, Enterprise Experiment number four and five. Okay. And then we will sneak in a gold key, and uh, that'll be, uh, let's see, that'll be gold key number 23. 23. Okay, cool. I am looking forward to uh, finding out how this wraps up. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Okay, well, okay, quick check, even though this is... So this is not going to get posted for like 10 or 11 months, unfortunately, probably, because we are that far behind. But little checkpoint on the Orville and Discovery. I'm loving both. I'm liking yeah. both series quite a bit. No, I like them both. They're, very, they're two different monsters, so they're not, they're not at all the same, but uh, I, I like them both. Yeah. They come from the same origins, obviously, but they're quite different takes on the Star Trek prototype. Prototype? Right. I'm not quite sure the right word to use in this case, but I think you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I know what you're trying to say. Yeah. No, I agree. I like them both. They're both very interesting, and you know, I'm a little behind on Star Trek, but uh, I think it's about to go into its mid-season hiatus, so I'll, I'll uh, definitely catch up then. It. Yeah. Yeah, the last episode I saw, which is not the last episode that aired, the one where Harry Mudd is very featured, so the second issue with him in it, Magic to make a sane man go mad or something, I think is the title. They love their long titles. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that episode. Good. And Mud is quite a, quite a villain. Quite does he a have villain. A, uh, does he have a Bajoran daughter? <laughs> uh, no. Well, he doesn't mention it, if he does. He doesn't say a thing about that. But you no. do see some other characters in the episode, because I know you haven't seen it yet, so I'm going right. to try not to... From, from, Ta- from Taz Land? From Taz Land. Mm-hmm. Cool. Now, nah, I look forward to re- watching yeah. that one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I am happy to see that both of them got renewed for a second season. Good point. Excellent point. Yes, very good news, which you really definitely expected with Discovery. I mean, it would have had to be a flaming... POS on launch for them not to give it a second season, but it's well, the way, they, out the way they were talking. It, it was they they thought that it was going to be. Uh, I mean, the, everything I read before it came out was was talking about how bad it was. Okay, that, but 
Okay, but but that was people on the outside commenting on it, wasn't it? Mostly, I, I I don't I don't think I think that's the typical negativity that always seems to spring up from fandom, right? Unfortunately, people seem to like to see a train wreck, and they didn't get it. So tough. <laughs> and as far as the Orville is concerned, I except for the fact that Seth MacFarlane has a lot of pull with the networks or with, with Fox entertainment, if it wasn't good enough, I could have seen that easily being killed, but they got a second season and I think it's only gotten better as, as season one has progressed. Right. And and I've heard that it's, it's actually doing really well. I saw like a a top, you know, 11 shows or whatever. And it, and it was in there as far as rating. Excellent. Well, I, I, I knew it was the, was it? I think they said it was the second highest rated new Fox show in the past two years or something like that. Or, right. or maybe it was longer than that. Which could have just meant that Fox is really bad at putting out new shows. Mm-hmm. But to actually hear it's like in the top 11 across networks? I mean, that's, that's what you're saying, right? Yeah, right. Right, yeah. Wow, yeah. that's great. Of all the network shows. That, that's wonderful. Yeah, no, I was happy. Wow. I knew that it took the ratings took a, a, a dive... When it went from Sunday to Thursday. Yeah. But it's built back up again. I guess so. Cool. Good. Very good. Excellent. I was very happy to see that. Yeah. Well, at the moment with the TV on right now, those two TV series are pretty much the the ones I make sure I always see. Right. More so than uh, than other ones. Although DC's Legends of the Future. Yeah. uh, And... And a lot of other TV shows out there right now, I am I also thoroughly enjoy uh, Walking Dead. But really, it's these two that I uh, that I make sure I see every week. Right. Yeah, I'm so far behind on Walking Dead. I think I think I might be two years behind now. Oh, <laughs> or at least a year and a half. Right. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's uh, let's let everybody go, and we'll go start reading these next books. Sounds great. Thanks for joining us, everybody, on The Review. Later. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music, stories, and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website www.stcomicbookreview.com Subscribe to us via iTunes or friend us on Facebook at first name ST Comic, second name Book Review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.